This morning's message is entitled, The Makeup of a Godly Woman. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. As we often say, laughter is the best medicine. And so in that vein, let me dispense us some good medicine this morning in Noah's favorite part of the sermon with a few good laughs about makeup. Why did the blonde put on makeup before she went to bed? She wanted to get an hour of beauty sleep. Come on, Noah. He's loving it. Why did the blonde put lipstick on her forehead? She was trying to make up her mind. They're killing him over here. <laughs> They're killing him. Why do, oh, they get better. Why did the girl bring lipstick and eyeshadow to school? She had a makeup exam. Well, what kind of makeup do ghosts wear? Mascara. <laughs> That's terrible. An old teacher asked her student, if I say I am beautiful, which tense is that? And the student replied, it's obviously past. <laughs> and as it's been said, time may be a great healer, but it's a lousy beautician. So. You know, makeup is really not a joking matter. In our world, it's big business. In 2016, the U.S., which is the most valuable beauty and personal care market in the world, makeup generated $85 billion, with a B in revenue. Today's 10-year-old girl, by the time she reaches 50, will have spent $450,000 on hair, makeup, elective surgeries, and mani-pedis. And Jimmy said, no wonder he has no money. <laughs> well, at least he's got money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ought to see how much we've spent. <laughs> Makeup's not a joking matter. In our world, it's big business, but in God's Word, it's serious business. God, in fact, has quite a bit to say about makeup. Did you know the Bible speaks of makeup? In 2 Kings 9.30, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. Not only does the Bible speak of makeup, but it warns about makeup. Jeremiah 4.30, and you, O desolate one, what do you mean that you dress in scarlet, that you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, that you enlarge your eyes with paint? In vain you beautify yourself. Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So makeup's not a joking matter. Women have been deceived into thinking beauty is about how they look, what they wear, clothing, jewelry, hairstyle, makeup, but God defines beauty very, very differently. Amen? He defines it in terms of inward constitution, not outward decoration. And so if God were to confiscate the average woman's makeup bag, and this is Vicki Cook's makeup bag, it's not mine. It does match my shirt, doesn't it, Miss Brenda? If he were to confiscate the average woman's makeup bag this morning and use it as an object lesson to teach us a thing or two about true beauty, the makeup of a godly woman, what would he teach us and have us to learn? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what we're going to examine 
this morning is the makeup of a godly woman. So the first item, hope I can get these correct after my wife's tutorial last night. I was like, is this that? No, okay, this, I'm confused. The first item in every woman's makeup bag is foundation. Foundation. When it comes to foundation, I've been told, I don't know personally, that there's lots to choose from. Is that correct, ladies? You can get, I mean, my wife said this is foundation. I'm thinking, that don't look like foundation. I'm thinking some kind of powder. But there's liquid, stick, powder, there's sheer, medium, full, moisturizing, anti-aging, all endless types of shades and colors. One lady said searching for the best foundation can feel like an endless quest. In the makeup world, when it comes to foundation, one size does not fit all. Just because it looks good on your friend does not mean it's going to look good on you. Correct? But the Bible gives entirely different advice. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. The Word of God says there is one foundation, no matter the skin type, the age, the color, one size does fit all. And that foundation is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Y'all going to get you preacher aerobics in today. You might not like the message, but you're going to get plenty of Scripture. Matthew 7, 24 and following. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Do you remember Evan and Alyssa when I counseled y'all, what did I say? The very first thing you do is when you build a house and you build a home and a marriage, you lay a foundation, correct? And I went to this verse. It doesn't matter what the house looks like, you better have the foundation correct, amen? Amen. And so, like makeup, many, not just women, but men also, spend their whole lives searching for the perfect foundation. It's an endless quest for millions. And so they build their marriages, their friendships, their careers, their lives on how they look, how smart they are, how much worth they have as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife, their career, the kids their spouse, their loved ones, money, you fill in the blank. And none of those things was ever meant by God to be the foundation of our lives. They're good, perfect gifts given by a good, good Father, but they were never meant to satisfy us, little less be the stabilizing force and foundation of our lives. We must never forget on Christ's solid rock we stand, all other foundations are sinking Saying And so have you first and foremost made Jesus the foundation of every aspect of your life? Alright, the second thing, and I hope I've got this correct. The second item you're likely to find in every woman's makeup bag is concealer. Concealer. Have you ever put on your foundation only see a big old zit, dark circle, massive blemish, a wrinkle? Shining like the noonday sun. Well, I can't say I've ever had that problem. Have you, Marty? I ain't never had that problem uh, before. But all you ladies were shaking your head, yes. 
And so you've had that problem. Well, that's what concealer is for, right? Glamour Magazine, in an article, How to Apply Concealer the Right Way, according to pros, concealer tips every woman should know, said the way you put on your concealer is just as important as the concealer itself. You can have the best concealer in the world, but if you don't apply it correctly, it does more harm than good. And it goes on to give four very important areas to address correctly with concealer. Covering up your under eye circles, redness around your nose, hide breakouts, and cover up scars. Did you know the Bible has a lot to say about concealing? And so we're going to look at those four things. And so just as concealer covers up those dark circles under your eyes, Christ's love and blood covers the dark circles in our eyes, our lives, the sins, the transgressions, and the iniquities that we've committed. Turn to Psalm chapter 32. How many of you today would say, I'm blessed? Amen. You know what makes you blessed? This verse right here tells you. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, concealed. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts. How many iniquities? No iniquities in whose spirit there is no Deceit. Y'all remember me saying the best way to get out of stain? Lisa, you know the best way to get out of stain? Scissors. Scissors are the best way to get out of stain. Cut it out. But none of us are going to cut out a piece of our clothing, are we? And so we talked about the best way to get a stain out is the triple detergent of the blood of Christ. It gets out sins, transgressions, and iniquities. And we see that triple detergent in action from Genesis all the way to Revelation as we've talked about. The blood of Christ stains every page. It is the best concealer on the planet. We can have the best concealer, but if we don't apply it to our lives, it doesn't matter. Second, just as concealer conceals the redness around your nose, we're reminded to keep hidden that with which we've been entrusted to hide. Turn to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Y'all have heard me say before that an acceptable sin, which is an oxymoron, amen? Amen. Is there any sin that is acceptable in the eyes of the Lord? But unfortunately, an acceptable sin, particularly in the Baptist church, is that of gossip. I mean, well, at least I'm not homosexual or I'm not, you know, a glutton or I'm not a drunkard or I don't gamble, but you might be a massive gossip, but nobody really cares because everybody else is doing it. And listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.13. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Think of it in these terms. There was uh, several years back, 
uh, devastating cancer that struck the Tasmanian devils. And they used genetics to determine that it basically was all from the same lineage. In other words, all these thousands of Tasmanian devils had it and were dying from it and they traced it all the way back to one single Tasmanian devil that had this and then transmitted the cancer to all of the others. And the way that it was transmitted is because the Tasmanian devils have this habit of biting each other on the mouth. And so one Tasmanian devil had the cancer on the mouth and the other Tasmanian devils bit it on the mouth and then they got the cancer and then they just kept biting each other on the mouth and getting cancer and dying of it. That is a perfect illustration of what gossip is. We bite each other on the mouth repeatedly and we suffer the devastating consequences of it. Ladies, let me ask you, who could you do with without or who could you do without longer? Your husband or your number one girlfriend? Hang on. You, know, you can plead the fifth. And don't answer. But the point being, how precious to you are your girlfriends? Very, right? Why would you ever want to bite them in the face? And so a similar fate that happened to the Tasmanian devils threatens the church if we persist in the devilish behavior of wounding each other with our mouth. And I think I've told y'all before the joke about three pastors. They go out fishing there in the middle of the lake and they get out there and they just start having a confession time. And they start confessing their sin. And one says, well, you know, when I go to the mall, he says, I just can't help myself. I'm checking out all the, the ladies at the mall. And the second guy says, well... You know, I've kept this hidden for a long time, but he said, every chance I get, he said, I go down to Tunica and I, and I just gamble. And they turn to the other guy and they say, well, what's your sin? He said, well, my sin is gossip. I can't wait till we get back to shore. <laughs> <laughs> Think back over the past year and something very personal that you shared with a dear trusted friend. Would you want them to make a Snapchat of that and then air it out on the four major television networks? <clears throat> but isn't that what gossip is doing? It's been equated that gossip is a bag of feathers. And if you put a bag of feathers out here in the parking lot and you come back today and you try to go and get all those feathers back into that bag, good luck with that, right? So why would we persist in this devilish behavior? So if you've been entrusted with it, keep it concealed. Third is that just as concealer hides breakouts, know that any and all attempts for us to cover up our sins will eventually be found out. As I tell my kids all the time, you can try to hide stuff from us, but I have lots of eyes and lots of ears all over this county, and we will find out. Isn't that even more so true with regards to the Lord? The classic example is Achan in Joshua 7. Turn to Numbers 32, 23. What should be our primary motivation in avoiding sin? It should be because it dishonors the very God we claim to love and follow, right? Yet Scripture gives us a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, is our best attempts to conceal our sin will come 
to light. Look at Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And so we don't cover up, we confess up. Fourth, just as concealer covers up your scars, so love covers a multitude of sins. Turn to 1 Peter 4, 8. 1 Peter 4, 8. Y'all remember me talking before about our love one another blood level? If Jesus were to come and draw blood out of us this morning, what's your one another blood level? We had an example of that this morning, showing love towards each other. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And so in my notes, I put two examples that the Lord brought to mind. One is this, marriage. You know what makes the love of Vicki Cook so special to me? Despite how perfect I'd like to think I am, I know over the past 19 years, I have hurt my wife very deeply at times. Yet love covers those sins and those scars. That is not a love that you can get with a one-night stand. That is not a love that you can get with puppy love when you are 16, 17 years old and in love and going to beat the world. When you've been married for 19, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and your love covers up all of those scars and you continue to love one another and grow in that love, that is something amazing, isn't it? The second example the Lord brought to my mind is simply this, church. You know what makes the love of Crossway so special to me? I have messed up bad at times over the last five and a half years. And I'm telling you, I have at times made a mess of this pastoring thing. And I've hurt some folks, and I've had to ask for forgiveness, yet love covers those sins and those scars. And finally, I thought about this. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He has so concealed our sin. The Bible says that He has cast it as far as the east is from the west and He has sunk it all the way to the bottom of the ocean. Alright, the third item you're going to find in every woman's makeup bag, this one's easy to find, is lipstick. Lipstick is perhaps the strangest of all makeup. The ancient Egyptians used uh, lipstick not for gender, but to show social status. But in Greece, lipstick was restricted to only prostitutes wore it. In the mid-1940s, teen books and magazines, men preferred a natural look over makeup. Wearing cosmetics could ruin popularity and career. And by the 1960s, women who didn't wear it were suspected of mental illness. Most bizarre is, did y'all know that this stuff contains fish scales? 
If your makeup says pearl essence, <laughs> all the ladies are looking in their makeup bag. The reason it says pearl essence is because it's got fish scales in it. You talk about bringing new expression or meaning to the expression fish lips. <laughs> Lipstick does. But you know what lipstick, it might be strange, but you know what's stranger? The body part to which we apply it. Turn to James chapter 3, and as you're turning there, I'll remind us, Proverbs 18.21 reminds us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. James chapter 3. Look at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You go to the zoo and you see all kinds of animals that have been tamed and put into a cage, yet we can't tame this thing right here. Mm. Lipstick is some bizarre stuff, but lips are even more bizarre, bizarre stuff. Amen? And so I would ask every one of us, how are we applying ours? Is it shades of gossip, slander, poisonous arrows, bitterness? Is it shades of honeycomb, salt, grace, edification, exhortation, love? As it's been said, be careful what you say because you may have to eat your words. One guy said, my diet is balanced, my food is the best, but it's the words I have eaten that I cannot digest. How often do we have a slip of the tongue? William Norris said, if your lips would keep from slips, five things observe with care to whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. Sometimes we just say, well, I'm just brutally honest, and that's just how God made me. <laughs> Ever heard somebody say that? Winston Churchill, classified as one of those, he and Lady Astor had no love lost between them, and she found him drunk in a hotel elevator one time, and with cut and disgust, she snipped to him, Sir Winston, you are drunk. And he replied, My lady, you are ugly, and tomorrow I will be sober. <laughs> I might be brutally honest, but that is not the speech that we should have. Amen. Vicky often asks the guys that she works with, or she has at work, would you kiss your mother with those lips? And you know what I thought's a better question? Would you kiss the Lord Jesus with those lips? All right, the fourth item. Hope I can find this. Get these right. Is eyeliner. Eyeliner. 
the purpose of this perpetual risk of putting your eye out tool every time you use it is to define your eyes. I mean, Ralphie's mom should have been more worried about her eyeliner than that BB gun in his closet. Amen? So you use this. Again, I don't have any experience with it to create a variety of aesthetic looks. But it's not just about defining your eyes. Did you know that eyeliner was initially used by the ancient Egyptians to actually protect your eyes? Think about it. Why do professional athletes put black under their eyes? It's a glare. Glare to protect their eyes. So turn with me to Job chapter 31. The Bible says that we are to protect our eyes. Maybe the last few things I've said, you might have could said amen to, but I'm afraid the next few you're going to potentially say, ouch. Job 31.1 I have made a covenant with what? My eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin. And let me read what Paul says in Philippians 4 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If we ought to think on what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, things in which there is excellent and worthy of praise, don't you think we ought to view only those things as well? In my generation, this was largely a boy problem, a guy issue. Pornography, playboy. One generation later, it's a boy and a girl problem, a guy and a gal issue. That girls view pornography just as much as guys do, and it starts extremely early. If you wait until high school to have this discussion with your kids, you are behind the eight ball. Is that not right, Patty and Corky? This stuff is going on potentially elementary school, middle school. And so here's where it becomes the ouch factor. You ready? Why are our kids viewing it? Why are our kids not protecting their eyes? I would say because we're viewing it and we're not protecting our eyes. I'm going to give you, maybe you've never even watched this, and I have never seen an episode of it, so help me God. The Game of Thrones. So I had to get on Google to find out some information because I've never watched it, but I have seen countless of my Christian friends on Facebook about this mess. IMDB.com gives it 9.5 out of 10 stars. And in the, there, did you know that you can go, if you want to know about a movie, you can go to imdb.com and there's a parent's guide. It'll tell you the profanity. It'll tell you the sex and nudity. It'll tell you everything about that that you want to find out. The scariness, all of that. Under sex and nudity, it's given a severe rating. And this is what the comment says. Sex is a driving force of this series and nudity occurs throughout each season. Viewers can expect... To see and hear sex scenes, there are several scenes and situations of rape. Now we're in the middle of the Me Too movement. 
And every Democrat and you know liberal wants to all oh, me too. But the most number one show on television has multiple scenes of rape within a season. This is the lunacy of the liberal movement. On the one hand, they condemn the very thing that they actually celebrate. In a 2013 Salon article, this is what it says, Game of Thrones is, if not exactly raunchy, one of the most envelope-pushing shows on the air with violence and or sex in practically every episode. In the last 19 episodes of 2013, it said 14 featured nudity. And so I wonder, why then are God's people not only watching this, nor simply giving approval to those who do, but celebrating the fact all over Facebook? Job 31.1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. There are a lot of Christian people that need to take Job 31.1 seriously, and it might be some of you in here this morning. And you need to make a covenant with your eyes. And you need to quit playing around with God. God is so holy. If you looked at Him for one, the, the most infinitesimally small amount of time, it would evaporate you. That's how holy He is. And that's the level of holiness He demands out of His people. Now we can never reach that, but I think this man that died for you on the cross that was holy for his whole 30 years of life and the only reason that his sacrifice was acceptable with God is because he never committed one sin whatsoever. How can we live in filth? So have you made a covenant with your eyes? Young people? Mom and dad? Are we expecting our kids not to watch porn in the privacy of their bedrooms on their phones, yet we watch the same in the publicity of our living rooms on our television sets? Brothers and sisters, we are defined by what we watch and view. Garbage in equals garbage out. If we ought to think on those things, we certainly ought to view nothing less. Alright, fifth item is mascara. Be turning to Titus chapter 2. Mascara is a staple in the makeup stable. 73% of women in a large uh, good housekeeping survey said they use it every day. And there's good reason. Because a large study across all income brackets and sea to shine and sea, every state, men said what attracts them most to a woman is the face. And in another study, the eyes have it. Men and women say what makes the face beautiful is the eyes. Handsome Jimmy said if you could hear his voice and see his eyes on the radio, it would be lights out. Ain't that right, Jimmy? Amen. He said amen. In Scripture, Jesus reminded us of the importance of healthy eyes. And here in Titus, Paul tells us that if our eyes, our body would be healthy, then we need to take the mascara of Titus 2 and apply it to our lives. Let me get there to Titus 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound, healthy doctrine. That's the English word we get, hygiene. 
Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and in love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Elizabeth Elliot in May 1997, Pulpit Helps, she said, Where are the Watts? W-O-T-T. The women of Titus 2. I like that. Where are the Watts? The women of Titus 2. And so the older women here are encouraged to, in two words, live and train. And the younger women are encouraged in two words, to love and live. The older women live and train. Live in a way that honors God, how? Not slanderers. That's the word that we get diabolical or devilish. Don't be devilish in your speech. Not slaves to much wine. Crete, where Titus was at, heavy drinking was a virtue. And we're not to live like the world. Amen? Amen. And teach what is good. The good teaching of Titus was to be the good teaching of older women that would then teach the next generation. And train the younger women. Thus what I have said till I'm blue in the face. One-on-one small group instruction that is multi-generational is a non-negotiable in our church, brothers and sisters. If we are doing otherwise, we are going against the very words that God has given us. And so younger women, love and live. First, love your husbands and your children. And I put my notes, I mean, do we really need to be told that? Yes. Yes. Is it hard to love husbands at times? Yes. Jimmy's looking at Melissa and she's saying, oh no, not at all. Is it hard to love your kids at times? Yes. And this may have been a special weakness in the Cretan culture as it is today. To truly and deeply love their husbands and that day would be a woman whose eyes popped with the mascara of the word, a what? And to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ would make their life pop. All right, the sixth item that you're going to find in every woman's makeup bag, if I can get this open, is a mirror. The modern mirror originated in the 19th century. And tell me how funny this is, Will. A German chemist, Justus von Liebig. <laughs> Liebig. <laughs> a guy named Liebig invented the mirror. What's the mirror do? I guess it lies big to you. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall, how do I look? You're looking great. <laughs> but mirrors date to way back before then probably 8,000 years ago. They've been made of all types of things. But do you know the best mirror on the planet? It's the Word of God. Turn to James chapter 1. You see, there's three ministries I'll give us quickly that the Word of God accomplishes. First is examination. James 1, 23 and following for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed 
and is doing. So we ought to, through the mirror of God's Word, we see ourselves as we really are. And then examination and restoration. You can put down and read in a minute or later today, Exodus 38, 8. Moses took the metal glasses of the women and made the lava. The lava was filled with water and the priests would wash before they went into the holy place. So water for washing is a picture of the Word of God. The Word of God examines us and it restores us and then it transforms us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We all are being transformed into the image of God from one degree or into the image of Christ from one degree to another. And let me tell you, I was asking Will yesterday. Many of you may know, but Will's taken um, engineering classes and one of the most difficult ones, the most difficult one that I took as far as the chemistry major was physical chemistry. We had a bumper sticker that said, Honk if you passed PCHEM. That's how difficult it was. Now Will came asking me, you know any of this stuff? I'm like, dude, I barely passed calculus one. Don't come asking me calculus four, differential equations things. Those things are beyond what my mind can comprehend. And so I was looking this week at what's the most mind-blowing mathematical equation? Marty, I had never heard of this, and I asked Will, he didn't remember it. Euler's identity. E to the I times pi power plus one equals zero. Here's another equation that is mind-blowing. Slope, which is y2 minus y1 divided by x2 minus x1, that the slope of a Christian's growth would be this. Zero. How can you call yourself a Christian? And the way that you looked at January 1st, 2019 is the exact same you look December 31st, 2019. There's no growth. And so are we using a mirror? How many of you used a mirror to make it here this morning? Some of you didn't and it tells. <laughs> People started looking around at each other. Noah, how many times in the past month have you used a mirror? At least on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when you had to go to work, right? At least a couple times. At least a couple times. But here's the point. How many of us looked into the mirror of God's Word this morning? How many of us have looked into the mirror of God's Word in the last month? As Dr. Rogers said, other books you read, this book reads you. The final item in our makeup bag is the most ridiculous torture device I've ever seen, tweezers. I told my wife, I said, this is why you ladies ought to use little scissors. That's what I have, little scissors. Clip all these little hairs that I don't like. She said, no, you've got to have these because that's what defines your face. And that was perfect because that was the point I wanted to make. Turn to 1 John 3. See, I don't want us to come out of here with a laundry list of stuff that we need to do. Because you know what we need to do sometimes as Christians? We need to just soak in the grace that Jesus has given us. Look at 1 John 3, 1. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that don't make you bad to Pentecostal, you ain't saved. 
see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Amen. So we talked about this morning in Sunday school. I've been adopted. And you know what? Adoption is costly. Jesus laid down his life to adopt me. And I don't know, but a lot of adopted kids, what really they bring to the situation is just a lot of baggage. And all I really brought to Jesus was a lot of baggage. And I don't know about y'all, but if you had two, you had one kid, and you adopted one, when you adopt them, you know what you're saying? When you die, half of everything you own is going not only to your natural child, but your adopted child. Can you imagine that? Jesus said, I'm giving you everything that's mine because I adopted you. Oh, you Baptists believe one saved, always saved? Yeah, because when you get adopted, you can't adopt you yourself. Amen? Amen. Ladies, you want to step up your tweezer game? You want to define your face and give identity to it? Here's what you need to do. You need to stop plucking and start resting. Stop the endless plucking of yourself that you're not good enough. Stop the incessant listening to what others say about you. Stop the insane comparing of yourself to airbrush and Photoshop models. Rest in who Christ says you are. You know what the best tweezers on the planet are to define you? What Christ says of you. This morning I played the song, You Say, by Lauren Daigle. Listen again to the lyrics. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say, I'm not enough. Any of y'all dealing with that? Every single lie that tells me I never measure up. Any of you, the devil told you a bunch of lies in the last month that you ain't good enough? Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? You ever wondered, am I just all my mistakes? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. How many of you need to know you are a child of God and that settles it? The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. The tweezers that we need to define us and identify us is no more than what Jesus has said of us. In closing, a middle-aged woman had a heart attack and she was taken to a local hospital and she's on the operating table and she has a near-death experience and she sees God and she says, is my time up? God said, nope. you got another 40 years, 2 months, and 8 days to live. So she hears that, recuperates, and she says, well, I'm just going to stay in the hospital and I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to have a facelift and liposuction and tummy tuck and I'm going to get some of that permanent makeup tattooed on my face. And she even changed her hair color. And she had so much more time to live, she figured she would do all that. And she gets out of the hospital and she crosses the street heading towards the parking garage. Wham! Hit and killed by a car. She gets to heaven and man, she's mad. God, I thought you said I had another 40 years to live. Why didn't you pull me out of the path of that car? God said, well, to be honest, I didn't recognize you. (laughs) 
Ladies, more than cards, flowers, spa gift certificates, and candy, what you need today is the best makeup on the planet. That that really makes you beautiful. Your family needs it. Your church needs it. Your community needs it. And your God deserves it. When God looks at you, what's he recognize? Is it Estee Lauder as a foundation or Jesus Christ? When he looks at your concealer, does he recognize Mary Kay or nothing but the love and blood of Jesus? When he looks at your lipstick, is it Max, Reb, Ruby, Woo, or shades of love, salt, and grace? When he sees your eyeliner, does he recognize Maybelline or lined and defined by what you watch and view? Mascara, is it CoverGirl or the women of Titus 2? Mirrors, it beauty works or the word of God and tweezers, is it Sephora or is it your identity in Christ? Ladies, I want you today to never ever forget the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And charm is deceptful and beauty fades, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day and thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the time to gather together and just laugh. And Father, come. And open up your word, and Father, to just feast upon it. Thank you for the songs that we have sang that have ministered to our heart and mind. I pray, Father, that we would just go forth this week. Father, and we would bless you in all of our doing and all of our saying. Father, lay some soul upon our heart that we can share the glorious gospel of Christ with them. I pray that you would just uh, help each of us take something from this message today to apply it to our lives, that, Father, we will look more like your precious Son, Jesus. For it's in His wonderful and precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We've talked about before that Jesus is the gift too wonderful for words. Amen. Amen. I'm sure many of you got a gift this morning. The greatest gift we can ever get or receive is the gift of a saving relationship with Christ. Because that bag that you got this morning, it's going to tear up. And it's going to wear out. But Jesus is forever. Jesus gives us the assurance that even if we die, if we believe in Him, we still will live. Amen? And He asked Martha, do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe it. And so twofold. One, if you've never received Jesus, I pray you would come receive the free gift of eternal life that only He can give. But two, if you're here and you're saved today, don't waste this week. How many of you think Jesus could come back today, tomorrow, Wednesday? If we know that, if you knew He was coming back, if He came and He said, Miss Phyllis, I'm telling you, I'm not telling anybody else, but I'm going to tell you that I am coming back Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, you'd probably come tell every one of us, wouldn't you? And you would be sure that everybody in your family knew that Jesus was coming back. We've been given the assurance that He's coming back. We just don't know the day and the time or the hour. So why do we waste every week not telling somebody about Jesus? So let's as a family of believers commit to tell somebody about Jesus this week. Let's stand as we sing. Page 312.